Hey, welcome to the AP Podcast. Um, today I'm with Ben Sturz, um, the University of Idaho. Ben, welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, can you uh, tell, us, tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, so, right now at the university, I am classified as the fitness and wellness coordinator, which essentially means I get to work in our fitness program that encompasses personal training and group fitness. Um, I get to help with some of the management uh, with the oversight of my supervisor, and we establish about a hundred group classes a week, and then personal training isn't as strong here, but we still have, on average, between 10 and 15 clients spread across our uh, personal training uh, nice. instructors, or our personal trainers specifically. Yeah. So, yeah. Sweet. Yeah, well, um, we've talked previously. What is uh, your background maybe in like bodybuilding or strength training, stuff like that? Uh, if we go back all the way to when it started, uh, before even I had a formal education in any of this, is I used to be a chubby fat kid, yeah. um, very inactive, uh, partially due to sedentary habits, but partially I, was, uh, I developed exercise-induced asthma. Oh, really? And it, I don't know if you've ever had it or experienced anybody with it. So anytime you become more physically active, your airways start to close up, a traditional asthma attack. Yeah. Uh, not prone to it, just at random. Like a lot of people who are unfortunate to be diagnosed with like different variations of asthma where they could just have an attack randomly. Mm -hmm. um, mine was always associated with movement. So if I started moving more, my airways closed down. And obviously yeah. as a little kid, not understanding what's going on, yeah. it was not a positive relationship between starting to move and then not being able to breathe. So I don't know if you've ever experienced like, uh, it's almost like trying to breathe through a pillow or a straw. Is that what I was gonna say? They do that, that they teach you, like yeah. I remember back in middle school, they did the straw where yeah. you have to breathe through a straw. And well, like you, I guess you could even equate it to a very aggressive, one of those stupid training masks they have. Oh yeah. The ones that, that simulate <laughs> high altitude. Yeah, high altitude. Yeah. They, they claim, they've since renounced a lot of those claims and now they utilize it as a breathing product which is more in tune for what it actually works for yeah and i could get behind that a little bit but as a high altitude product not so much but anyway if you're to wear one of those or if you have it's a lot like that but anytime you begin to move it yeah. starts to close down uh to the point where you almost can't breathe so i was not very inclined to move when yeah. i was young yeah and so i picked up a lot of video games and sedentary activities oh, and got yeah. pretty chubby uh, it didn't help to be very, very introverted as well, so yeah. not a lot of friends and just kind of being myself. Uh, come high school, I uh, had some buddies that took pity upon me and they were my friends for a while and they convinced me to start football. Nice. And so I'd never, I'd done some little guy wrestling and things because my dad used to be a wrestler and convinced me to do that. And at one point in time, you had them be lifting light weights at like age... 9, 10, 11, just in the morning, go lift yeah. my five pound weights with dad in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Some curls and presses. He didn't ever knew what he was really doing specifically, but he knew that by staying somewhat active, and he loved to hike and whatnot, but by building muscle to some degree, you yeah. have a better functionality. Yeah. So I did that for a few years with him, even through those stages of uh, <clears throat> known exercise induced asthma. And then in high school, I actually got an inhaler specifically for it, which opened up some doors, got into football. Uh, was a terrible athlete. Well, how'd you, how'd you deal with the asthma? Uh, you... an, an inhaler that was inhaler. Uh, diagnosed to exercise-induced asthma. An inhaler would help to uh, inhibit the airway closure. Uh, so I take a, my, actually it was, I can't remember what it was called. It had this little pill you'd stick in as powder. It yeah. looked look kind of like illicit drugs, but you stick it in this little <laughs> inhaler, you twist it, you crack the pill open, and you'd huff all this uh, powder in. Yeah. 
and you do that about half an hour before uh, any kind of physical activity, and it would alleviate most of the symptoms or at least prevent them from closing down too quick. And it lasted a couple hours. So I did that for like four or five years. Really? Uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, all four years of uh, high school football, and then I. Luckily, I've outgrown that. Uh, it's something you can't outgrow if it's in a mild form. Okay, so it's like genetically, uh, it came genetically, but you were over... As far as I understand it. it, it may have been a genetic issue. I may have developed it. Mm-hmm. Um, hard to say. Uh, in either case, it's something that I outgrew, and yeah. it's something that I've found you can outgrow to some degree. Uh, in, I didn't have it as severe as some people do, so yeah. I was fortunate there. It just happened to be one of those reasons why I didn't like moving a lot. Oh, yeah. So okay. it prevented me from doing a lot of it's that. correction, yeah. Yeah, it, was, it enabled me to not move. Mm-hmm. So it gave me a reason not to. Mm-hmm. And so once I had that inhaler, it kind of prevented that from happening, and I got the enjoyment out of a team sport, being more active, uh, and it introduced me to the weight room, which wasn't really that strong at to begin with either when I started back in freshman year of high school. Yeah. Uh, but that was the introduction to what I started to become good at. Wasn't really that good at sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, very smart through school, so I ended up graduating valedictorian, but athletically not as competent. Yeah. Uh, but when it came to the weight room, I eventually got stronger and stronger and stronger, and that's something that naturally happened. And then with being stronger, you start to put more muscle on, yeah. and then all of a sudden you get known as the big guy at school. Yeah. <laughs> and even though I was never, I would say. Uh, Oh, honestly, I was never bully. I hung out with some bullies, unfortunately, and I wish I could go back and correct those. Yeah. But um, I was the kind of guy that might have got along with all kinds of groups because I really wasn't looking for any kind of confrontation. Sports was a way to <clears throat> assert yourself in certain ways, but even then I was kind of like the nice guy. So yeah, yeah. I wouldn't take advantage of, like, if I got some guy down, I wouldn't keep, like, blocking him. Down, like, well, yeah. this is over. I'm yeah. going to do something else, which is probably why I never excelled yeah. to some degree in football like that but got along well with all those people and they all recognized that he's getting bigger and stronger and like that it became known and I had siblings in high school that were younger than me and their friends would be like your brother he's the big guy right and so it was just a perpetual cycle of ego building yeah which kept me going into it and made me love weightlifting yeah well um so he kind of started out with a obviously an obstacle and then he kind of outgrew it but can you explain maybe there's more people out there like you have um, the induced asthma and stuff mm-hmm. like that, or just people who are just really sedentary into video games, and they maybe have like a self-confidence issue, and maybe they're looking to get in the weight room, but they don't know where to start. Yeah. Um, where did you start, and how did, I mean, like with research, or just talking to people, or just getting in there, and even if your form was horrible? I had, <clears throat> I had the fortunate opportunity to have some friends that coaxed me into doing it. They yeah. finally convinced me to get active in football. Mm-hmm. And then with football, there's the weight room. You, you're yeah. asked by yeah. coaches, mm-hmm. uh, if you want to be better in football, you should get stronger. Yeah. There's a general correlation to that. Yeah. It's not all true in one way or another, but typically stronger people are more athletic. Yeah. Um, and so we had a uh, – he was just a weight training instructor. To be honest, he wasn't probably the best person yeah. for – athletic performance but he was a, a generally well accomplished bodybuilder yeah um back when i was in high school he had some uh moderate success in like the regional competitions and he was a big guy for what he was he was only five 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 six okay. but just jacked yeah and he understood the pr- basic principles of uh working out to keep you safe in general yeah uh some of the more performance and Components he wasn't as as I look back on he wasn't as in tune with, 
and some of my high school football coaches, I mean, it's true for most high school football coaches around the country, it's probably just a continuation of they were moderately successful in their high school and yeah. collegiate careers, uh, but they may not have picked up the most appropriate ways to train. So I learned some bad habits and I learned some good habits. Either way, it set a foundation, and with their continual support is kind of how I kept going. But a lot of it was that self-perpetuating ego thing initially. So, kind of like you getting yeah, bigger I, I had, results yeah, and you have the motivation had results, around you. Yeah, and... I had results, and the results turned into attention. And attention turns into more motivation. Yes. So in some way, it just kept feeding on that. Uh, but also, it made me feel good. So I was healthier. I was more active. I was getting more attention in the sense that people recognized that I was getting bigger and stronger. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I was also feeling good. So as much as it is nice to know that people are paying attention to you, which I think some people always crave, yeah. uh, but it's also good to feel good. And it's yeah. a very strong motivator to know that things are easier for you now than they used to be. And you're maintaining some variation of a healthier lifestyle, which I later learned to appreciate uh, in college and then beyond. So, well, then, so you, if somebody's listening to this right now, I guess something they could take from that is, you got involved in football, and mm-hmm. you, they don't have to get involved into football, oh, no, but yeah. have some sort of make it a team or make it a group thing where you have people around you, maybe even if it's just one person, some kind of catalyst, especially if you're not a, a self motivated person like yeah. I wasn't. Yeah, exactly. So. You, almost always need some kind of catalyst to get you going and hold you accountable. Exactly. For me, it was the team sport of football and my friends that eventually relied upon me to be part of their group, uh, to be generally successful in a team sport, because uh, you can't do it all by yourself. Yeah. But they rely upon you to be in better shape, and the same thing could be applied for everything. If you have some way of being held accountable, you're much more accept, uh, successful overall. Do you think that accountability, I've talked about this in previous videos and podcasts, you think that accountability is pretty much the, the biggest thing leading to success in... I think uh, in for initial life. success, yeah, like have, being held accountable, because it's kind of an external stimulus. Yeah. Uh, and as we're taught through college and a handful of psychology courses and how to motivate individuals, especially in our field, uh, we want to move towards that intrinsic motivation where they just they do it because it feels good and they like doing it versus they're being held accountable from an external source. Yeah, It's a great way to start and it's very common that a lot of people are using external sources to start mm-hmm. a behavior change that they're not used to. Well, no, everybody yeah. wants to be, comf- you know, not change. They don't, nobody likes change and nobody likes to be um, out of their comfort zone and stuff yeah. like that. And, so. Well, the only way you really grow and become more successful is to be out of your comfort zone or it's the only way to know that if something's not right for you yeah. is if you got out of your comfort zone and it didn't work. Yeah. In either case, like I know I should do a lot more yoga. Yeah, same, same. Yeah, Flexibility like, and mobility yeah. I've learned is so important and I'm trying to get out of my yeah. comfort zone to do it. Just like with squatting and stuff like that, yeah. I'm learning that it's so important. Oh yeah, well speaking from a longevity standpoint, like, I'm at least 10 years older than you Yeah. and if I could have been utilize what I know now about mobility and flexibility back when I was younger even though I was hyper flexible in terms of genetically like I can still easily touch my toes and it's not a stretch but I had injuries related to my hypermobility but if I would have known more about that or had people around me that knew more about that to appropriately balance my flexibility and strength I could have avoided I have torn labrums of both shoulders I have a, a significant lower back injury that flares up quite frequently and I've been dealing with it for the last eight months now yeah. um, but if I would have known these things I could have alleviated a lot of current suffering that I may be stuck with for the rest of my life potentially I'm working on ways to get around that yeah. uh, but it would have been nice not to have these things yeah so yeah um, 
I agree. Like the flexibility, mobility, and then with preventing injury and just longevity, I feel like a lot of people in the fitness industry now are just so worried about just getting jacked and huge, yeah, and there's just so much appeal aesthetic that, appeal, yeah. which I, you know, I'm very, in, you know, interested in, and I. Well, that's, that's the strong motivator behind it. Yeah, the strong motivator. Want. Yeah, yeah, everybody wants to look good. Um, yeah. But uh, I'm starting to really dive into, like right now, like sports psychology mm-hmm. and the mobility aspect of things because. Um, I guess long term, yeah. I've really, I've really started to study into like long term success rather than just short term quick results and stuff. Even though, yes, maybe business yeah. people look into that, but if you want to keep and you want to make a legacy reputation, mm-hmm. like long terms, where you're gonna achieve that. So, um, it's something to do with age that I found out. Like you're always gonna notice that younger individuals. Because it, it's a perpetual cycle. You always listen to your elders because they've always been through things and they'll mm. tell you, you should do this and I wish I would have done this. Yeah. But that cycle perpetuates all the time and I'm doing it right now. Yeah. I would have been just as hard-headed younger and to some degree I accept the fact that people mostly aren't going to listen in its entirety and follow through. You'll have a couple that will and they'll have the great success and a healthy body throughout life. But then you're going to get the majority of people, like I was too, who were told some things but didn't necessarily take them to heart. And then you only later learn and then repeat the cycle of telling younger people. So it's it's kind of like a learning curve. Uh, It's it's a passage of, or it's, it's, what's the term I'm looking for? It's a rite of passage to screw up a few times and cause a couple problems so that you can hopefully impart some information on someone younger and maybe they'll follow it, but probably yeah. not. Yeah. I kind of just accept the fact that some of the things I say are going to fall on deaf ears yeah. until they're like, I remember when you told me that. I'm hurt now. Yeah. I wish I would have. Mm-hmm. But then they'll continue it. Maybe someone will eventually get it. It's just something that's not going to stop. Yeah. So it's the way we're built. Yeah, I've noticed yeah. that too, and I've tried my hardest to, to look up to elders and yeah. really just take the advice from people who have either injured themselves yeah. or successful people saying, don't do this. But it is hard to just take someone's word and not go through it, because yeah. when you go through it, you have the personal of like what happened Yeah, to you. Yeah, you have the repercussions, yeah. or you might have the success. Some people never experience a negative consequence yes. of something that yeah. might be continually detrimental to a group of people. So. Yeah. There used to be a guy in here that would deadlift with a nice rounded back all the time, and he could pull well over 600, but he never experienced a back problem during his time here. I can't say that he's not in a lot of pain now, yeah. but during his time, he never experienced an issue. Mm. And so even though my comments fell on somewhat deaf ears, and to a degree, rightly so, he was much stronger in a deadlift than pretty much anybody else around, it's yeah. like, is it worth the risk at times? Yeah. And some people just, the risk versus reward is, is not there, and they'll wait for it. Which, I mean, it's a personal choice, too. If it's not going to hurt anybody else, then Yeah, so I mean, it's it. their own body and their yep. own deal, and if they want to go through it, I understand. But you always, like, you don't feel yeah. guilty, I guess. You always want to inform them the best you can. Yeah. Because you were there to witness it, and you don't want to be like, you know, watch them totally just destroy yeah. themselves. And you that feel may come guilty. from your experience in the field, too, is if you, you know something is an issue, and if you don't say anything, you might feel guilty yourself. Yeah, I've, yeah. Yeah, I've about not saying anything. I've had to battle that, and I've I've gone up yeah. to a couple people when they're doing like bent over barbell rows or something, oh, yeah. and they're just like really just round and over, hunched. Yeah. And I did this, and you always it's hard because you don't want to put like an ego into it. You don't want them to be um, turned conflict. off. Yeah, yeah, turned off and be like, "What do you know?" You know, and yeah. and and you're just trying to help. Well, but you see, don't want to I can off. deal with that because as helpful as I am, I'm can still tend to be a little passive aggressive. I'm like, yeah. if they give me the attitude like, what do you know? 
uh, I know more than you, or I'm doing more than you, no big deal, or I'm bigger, or mm-hmm. whatever. I'm like, well, you probably get what's coming to you then. Yeah. Like, I tried. Try, I did, exactly. I did, I did yeah. the best I could. Yeah. And if it's, if I, what I don't want to do is stop somebody from trying, though. Mm-hmm. Like, say we have a very timid individual that has never done a barbell roll, and they're in there just moving. Great, they're moving. Maybe it's something we could try to prevent them from doing because they can't feel. They have very poor like, kinesthetic awareness. Yeah. Uh, and you like make a suggestion and then they stop doing that. That's what I want to avoid. I don't want them to be so scared of doing something and maybe wrong. doing it wrong yeah. that they stop doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they can correct it, that's great. If they say if they can't correct it, I'd encourage them not to do it. Uh, but there's a small case. It's a lot of it's just being aware. I just don't want them to stop and then lose the ability to be confident or at least curious and inquisitive yeah. and continue their efforts until they are fully aware of what they're doing and confident in what they're doing. It's just learning a skill or ability. Yeah, so. yeah I've that sometimes when I talk to somebody, I always, I've done a few times where I'm like, yeah, if you keep doing this, you're going to injure yourselves and it scares mm-hmm. the shit out of them. And, yeah. and then what happens is then when they perform, when they are forced to or they try to perform the exercise, they are scared and then it puts them in an even more vulnerable position because yeah. they're they're so worried about it. Yeah, it's as much as a psychological battle. Exactly, yeah. And I've worked with a lot of clients like that to where uh, they almost rely on you too much. Like, am I doing this wrong? Yeah. They, they're always waiting for that comment of, and eventually when I stop saying things, they're like, something's wrong. What am I doing wrong? I'm like, no, you're doing good. If I'm not saying anything, and I try to wean them off of my comments, uh, but if I'm not saying anything, they get concerned. Like, am I doing something wrong? Why isn't he telling me what's going on? Am I doing this right? I get a lot of, am I doing this right? Like, totally fine man you're doing good if I'm not saying anything I'm just letting you focus on your efforts and so once you let them know that sometimes it clicks for them and sometimes it works and sometimes they need that person around but that's kind of why I was hired in the first place for some things is they need someone around yeah I I totally agree like the confidence boosters and like the motivation of somebody who's been around I am same way doing this right now with you um, but I've had like previous coaches and stuff uh-huh. like that and you are you're, you, I have experienced that where I'm like I'm doing this right and yeah. they'll be like yes and then just them mm, like telling you that yeah. you're doing great definitely increases your confidence and then your performance usually increases for me at least it does because oh, yeah. it's just that feel it's just that psychological thing oh so. yeah it, it's as much of a mind game as anything else and along that same line there are some trainers or coaches that can overcoach yeah. and make it just as confusing and I might be in that realm at times mm-hmm. and guilty of that trying to give too much information uh, there's lots of schools of thought you want to be someone you want to cover your ass and be safe and give someone the best advice but a lot of times it's too much and so sometimes you just have to let them move yeah. and feel different things under negligible loads yeah. you're still mitigating risk like say they're yeah. not in perfect position but under negligible loads where they're supposed to be learning um, which any competent trainer would do is put someone through a learning curve and then apply a load. Um, you can let them experience things, say what felt different about that, and maybe disclude some of your comments until you come to a point where they're like, they, maybe they autocorrect, maybe they realize something didn't work right for them, or maybe you need a small comment instead of just a bunch of words. And So that's something useful for trainers across the board, old and new, is to evaluate what the client needs mm-hmm. and maybe not say too much because I mean anybody who comes into this field and maybe hires a personal trainer they if they're hiring somebody because they don't necessarily know what they're doing yeah in a lot of cases mm-hmm. uh, more advanced realms different but it's like learning a whole new language yeah in some instance like 
or if they don't know how to move and they can't tell how they move their body, they can't feel the differences in angles and positions, giving them too much information is just an overload because they're already dealing with so many new sensations that uh, it, it's just too much and they might not take anything out of it. They might be overwhelmed, they might be discouraged and never come back again, yeah. which is definitely what we want to avoid. Yeah, so. no, I, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, too much, when I was, yeah, too much information at one time definitely discouraged me because they're, I've, and when I first started, it was suppress your shoulders, rotate this, yeah. and you know, and it, you're trying to figure out what it feels like. You're to, just like, what is my lats? What are you? What yeah. are these things? You know, yeah. like most people, what I've seen is they don't. It's just they're trapped on it, you know. Yeah. And they can't activate their lats, or they can't activate their full uh, chest. Yeah. Their pecs. Or they have no idea what it feels like. Yeah. To be with. Yeah. Because yeah. they're just using the whole front delt and just yeah. kind of. But um, I think that what I guess what would be a good thing for maybe some beginners or even intermediate to take away of like mind muscle kind of like connection like activation well especially if you're say like bodybuilding mm-hmm. where you get to focus on individual parts mm-hmm. be very accustomed to just choosing a lighter weight mm-hmm. and going through the motion of feeling and don't think that one session is going to be enough to maybe learn to feel what it's like to move appropriately or to the best of your knowledge appropriately because everyone's going to be up in the air whether we like it or not our profession is still kind of there's a general way to not do things for yeah. safety but there's a lot of way to do things right mm-hmm. and there's no specific one way to do things right because everybody's different everybody functions differently so the general takeaway is that start simple and then learn to feel things and then progress into that so it could be applied to anything beyond bodybuilding too say we're going to advanced motions like uh, Olympic lifting you still break it down into small components yeah. and learn how to do each small component carefully and correctly under negligible loads until everything's perfect and then progress into once you feel good advancing to more load and that might change everything you might have to start over again more load and relearn everything again because with load comes a change in feel yeah. uh, but just keep it simple simple is good simple, stupid. yeah I've noticed that my workouts used to last two or three hours mm-hmm. if I'm in here longer than an hour that nowadays uh, I feel like I'm doing too much almost yeah, I've noticed that a lot of people will come questions and I'll ask them, well, first I'll be like, what's your diet? Yeah. But also the second thing is what's your training like? Mm-hmm. And some people will be like, well, I'm in there for like two hours a day trying to like talk themselves up. Oh, and I'm yeah. like, well, that's that's too much. Like yeah. you, you're not getting, I've noticed that, yeah, if I'm over an hour, then I'm yeah. like, unless I need to do like a higher amount of volume just yeah. to burn more calories or something like that. Yeah. Um, that's the really only reason. But their performance goes down dramatically for me if if I'm... Busting my ass for the first hour, then that second yeah. is not really It's still related to a mental component of attention span. There's, yeah. there's a reason why most of your collegiate classes last between 50 minutes and an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. It's because your attention span as a human is limited. Yeah. You can only focus on so much for so long, so why wouldn't that apply to strength training too? Yeah. Uh, you're gonna If you lose attention and you lose motivation, the quality yeah. of the efforts go down. And if you think of it as a big uh, kind of realm of usable time, why waste time by spending more time in here doing less work or less efficient work when it could be much better spent maybe resting, which is a lot of people's issue. They don't rest enough. Or doing things that are more enjoyable so that you maybe you hate training at some point in time because you're in here for three or four hours a day and you just begin to loathe it. Wasting time. Yeah. Like if, if you absolutely hate doing something, it's not necessarily the best thing to do. Yeah, it's not going to be successful. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't have some struggles and challenges, but if you really hate something, 
I, I would encourage you to find something different, find a different way of doing things. Yeah. So I'm in the gym for eight to 10 hours a day. My workout time is about an hour. Yeah. So, wow. and yeah, I did, I'm here all the time. And part of the reason I try to shorten my workouts is because I don't want to hate them sometimes. Yeah. Everyone goes through cycles, but sometimes a longer workout's fun every now and again. Usually my energy levels drop. Yeah, I kind of just based yeah. on how I'm feeling. Yeah. yeah. Energy levels drop, focus drops, I stop caring a little bit, and then I'm like, well, I'm at this point in time where I don't have anything specific to train for. I've accomplished my general goals, yeah. and we can shut her down, take it easy. Maybe I'll go in for 15 minutes because I had a shitty workout, or I'm not feeling right, or I'm just not focused, or, yeah. yeah. Be variable, yeah. flexible and with it. So people can take away that you don't need to be training for two, three hours a day. No, not the, at all. Because I think people think that if you're training more, you're gonna like build more muscle or something, and that's totally not, not necessarily the case no. at all. There um, might be individuals out there that could, because it goes back to the everyone's different. Yeah, and yeah. There's always there's a lot of right ways to do something, but there's also wrong ways. Mm-hmm. You just don't know until you try. Yeah. I wouldn't encourage extended beach down all the time drag out two, three, four hour workouts. Yeah. Granted, I mean, there's a lot of high performing athletes. I was going to say, unless your genetics just let you recover like yeah. crazy. But there's but, a reason why those people are advanced. Like yeah. That. So yeah. you'll know right about now at this point in time in your life, whether you're one of the genetically gifted individuals I was going to say, most people think that, like, I had to realize that, and most people do realize it the hard way, is when you get out of high school or you're going to the collegiate level or the professional level is everybody thinks that they can just which I'm not saying you can't, is work your ass off and make it to that level, and some people do. But the genetics um, allowing them to, say like, I'm talking about like Phil Heath, mm-hmm. for like uh, Mr. Olympia, yep. or like whoever on the pro stage for yeah. bodybuilding. Um, yes, there's a lot of drug use, Oh yeah. but that's not just the reason why they're at that level, it's because their oh, genetics no. allow them, yep. if, I believe, I don't know if this is what you believe, but if Phil Heath, if nobody was taking any drugs at all, Phil Heath would still be the genetic dominant person and could potentially he would be... Yeah, he would be very high on the stage yeah. because of his genetic capability. Mm-hmm. Uh, drug use in those situations, they really only enhance what's already available. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, there's a lot of people out in life, in the real world, that may not have the same genetic capability or similar, uh, and they may or may not utilize substances substances but if they don't apply appropriate training they're not gonna get the same results either so he's the it's just a combination of events yeah. in those individuals lives that are on the pro stage for bodybuilding for example that put them in that position yeah. they're willing to work very hard for it their ability to genetically recover and maximize or their genetics allow them to recover maximally and truly utilize the full experience of what they're putting their body through yeah. to grow mm. and become bigger, leaner, stronger, whatever. And then on top of that, the icing on the cake, the fine tuning is the extra stuff. Yeah. The, the stuff that not everyone can afford to use or should even use or consider. Yeah. The illegal things yeah. and those that aren't even legal, or those that are legal and aren't legal. Yeah. In either case, like it's just in supplements. I'm not a huge supplement person. Yeah. There are supplements that can and do make things easier on you. Uh, right now, I'm a proponent of I used to take protein shakes and creatine and things like that. I kind of got bored with it. Yeah. Like I, there was some benefit to it, especially when I couldn't get meals in. But is it really worth my time when I could still eat normally and still pretty much have the same results? I'm I'm not in the maximizing yeah. business anymore for me. I, I 
I'm happy with what I have. I like to get stronger. I like to get leaner. But I take my time with it. Uh, supplements can help. Most of them are bullshit. Yeah. But some of them can help. Some of them have been proven to help. Some of them can make things easier, slightly better. We're not talking astronomical changes, so that nothing in nature couldn't already give you. If you eat a well-balanced diet that's appropriate for your goals, the icing on the cake is the extra stuff. But is it worth it financially for some people? For me, not really. I could care less. Uh, for some people, it might be what they need to move to that next level. And if that's the choice they want to go down, it's not hurting anybody else. Yeah. So if it's, if it's legal in their realm of yeah. life, yeah, yeah. say if it's in their competition or if, it, if they're willing to accept the risks of certain things, yeah. their own that's deal. on yeah. them. Yeah. So, yeah. Them. yeah. So, as long as they're informed and what they're... Yeah, uh, yeah and... Well, I guess as long as they're aware of the general idea that there's a risk to everything you do, even in weight training. I mean, I inform all my clients that there's a legitimate risk that there's some activity that may eventually cause you pain. Uh, We always try to mitigate those risks, but same could be said for me walking to work. I could roll an ankle. I mean, we all accept those general risks. I mean, maybe I could roll my ankle harder walking than I could ever do it in the gym here. I've had some brutal ankle rolls from walking around town. Yeah. One that put me down for like six weeks. I've never experienced an ankle roll in a physical activity like working out yeah. or even in football yeah. that had any similar impact on me. So non-impact, unrelated to anything traditionally active, got really hurt once. Everything active, marginally. Yeah. So not as nearly catastrophic. So just an example so, of yeah. life has its way of I was going to say, so what people can take out of this is like if they're scared of the gym or they're scared of doing a sport... I would say just scared of being active in general. Just don't worry about it as much. Yeah, Yeah, and I see that with just like... The risk versus reward is generally higher. Mm -hmm. Staying active is proven to be more beneficial than sedentary. Yeah. On a whole host of realms, physically and mentally. Mm -hmm. You're a happier person because you're healthy. You're healthier because you're happy. It's all a continuum and hand in hand. Uh, There are extremes as always. You could be overactive and not be happy. Yeah. But... Finding what works best for you is important. And that's kind of where I went with my education when I got here. So I wasn't initially uh, even in the fitness realm for a profession. I came here for mechanical engineering because I was good at math and science, uh, physics when I was in high school, mostly just because I did my homework. I was competent to turn it in and deathly afraid of failing uh, at that time. I'm much better at failing now, not nearly as... Sounds about it. really familiar. Yeah. It sucks, too, when you can't sleep because you think you got one question wrong on a meaningless piece of homework for a high school math test. Yeah. I wish I would have taken more time just to relax. Yeah, I yeah. I guess I can relate a little bit. I actually came here for mechanical engineering also and yeah. switched this semester in exercise science. And um, loving it, by the way. It's awesome. I'm, like, into these classes. Um, I just got out of sports psychology. Yeah. And it's going to be great for just leadership and coaching wise and and really understanding maybe more emotional and stuff psychological stuff obviously oh yeah but um but yeah no i i completely understand it is you don't you can't fail you can't mess up yeah and yeah well that's the thing is it took me pretty for my mind pretty strong failures to realize that failure wasn't that bad and it's time for a change so i spent three semesters in mechanical engineering did well in a couple of mechanical engineering classes did very poorly in uh, Calc 2 just yeah. never worked for me just didn't click and I was too stubborn to ask for help which was an issue 
I was always like, I can figure this out on my own. Like, I'm smart. I figured it out. I got a four point whatever through high school. I can figure this out. That's not a good mentality to carry on through times when everyone's going to need some help eventually. But I, yeah, I got a D in Calc 2, and I'm pretty sure I got a C in Physics 2. Uh, part of it was Physics 2, like, I had a really hard time understanding the instructor. Yeah. It's, they didn't, weren't the best instructor. They didn't teach well, yeah. in my opinion. But I didn't also seek out help. Yeah. So I tried to figure out my own. Not the best way to go about it. Yeah. Those two failures in my mind got me off the mechanical engineering path and then pushed me over to my passion, which was lifting. So when I got here, I really enjoyed lifting because I was still the big guy. Yeah. And well, when you get to college, you learn that you're not the big guy anymore. Yeah. You come in and there's always yeah. seniors, grad students. There's some beasts that run around. And what I've seen in Idaho, even in Idaho here, it doesn't compare to some other schools. Like, there's some monsters that run around over at Wazoo. Yeah, I was going to say, I was trying to, I was talking to my buddy and um, comparing um, the level of, like, genetics or aesthetics or just people in general at our school or in the northwest in Idaho and maybe Washington a little bit. But compared to uh, California big schools or, like, you know, Alabama, obviously, like, the south. Well, with with bigger populations, you're always going to run into more. Yeah, Yeah, I was just... I was impressed by how big, like, I came from a small town. I was impressed with how big Moscow was. Mm-hmm. That's sad to say. Well, yeah. Yeah, my, my hometown was like 4,000 people. Wow. So, I come here, I'm like, wow, there's people all the time. You see people everywhere. Yeah. And, like, school was big. It was big back then. Yeah. You just, the t- I think the takeaway is that no matter where you go, there's always going to be someone that's bigger than you. Yeah. Uh, there's always going to be someone that's better than you kind of get used to it, accept it. Maybe if you're a motivated person and that's up your alley, try to aspire to be closer to that yeah, level. I agree. Uh, but also accept the fact that there's going to be someone that can do things better than you. Yeah. They might look better, they might be bigger, they might be stronger. And I think, that's what turns off, it, yeah. I think that's what turns off a lot of people is they'll be like, well, I don't want to try to do that because there's going to be somebody better than me. Yeah. And then some people it's like, well, I'm going to try to prove you wrong and I'm going to be yeah. just good or better than you. And I think that... Um, that's what I was going to ask you is so like starting out in the weight room yeah. uh, or just even like diet wise, we don't have to go into that, but just starting a healthier lifestyle. Some people are, well, I have a lot of excuses if I don't have time or money or blah, yeah. blah, blah. But I think that people think you need to be in the gym six days a week and you got to have this, you know, My crazy two, two hours a day. Yep. Your diet's got to be just, you know, strict. And it's, I think that there's a lot of, misinformed things or misinformed information I guess it's perpetuated for sure through a lot of inappropriate media sources mm-hmm. and it's still a lot of bro science that yeah. that's the stuff that is easily digested and accepted yeah. and easily put out on these media sources uh, what works in reality uh, can be simpler the stuff that, like, say, the CDC and the American Heart Association and any of our primary governmental bodies designed to study humans and suggest general health standards, yeah. those are good general standards to keep you healthy. Yeah, I was going to say, I literally was just uh, went through class and um, was learning about those yeah. standards and how, well, with what I... I guess coach and, and the difference in ratios of macros and stuff like that oh, yeah. on a different for sports performance in, yeah. in, in doing like bodybuilding shows and stuff like that or athletes is a little different but oh, for yeah. people who want to lose some weight or just feel better healthier yeah. or just 
you know, well, just have more to make life easier on themselves, yeah. live a little longer, have a little less injury and sickness, mm-hmm. and be a little bit happier. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take much. Mm-mm. Just basic requirements, trying to get half hour to an hour of moderate to vigorous activity. And people get concerned about the word vigorous, but it, even then, it doesn't have to be that intense. So, at the very least, walking. I was going to say, yeah. uh, wake up in the morning before you eat or even yeah. eat and then go walk, you know? Yeah, and if you can't, I mean, even the guidelines suggest that it doesn't have to be consecutive minutes. I mean, you can do 10 minutes at a time, yeah, three times throughout the day. The concern for all that is that we are too sedentary now. Yeah. We're not as much of an active culture, especially with the technological advancements that we're all privileged to have. Yeah. The advent of excessive use of cars, and it, for some areas, cars are necessary for distance and things like that. Yeah. Weather-related issues. There's always a reason for technology to be good, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's made us more sedentary and that's why these basic guidelines are such an important thing to follow now because we want to reduce that overall debt of society that is inactivity which causes so many issues and if people just moved a little bit more there'd be a lot less mental illness physical illness cost to society uh, more happiness more healthiness just a lot of better things that could be done if we simply move a little bit more. It doesn't yeah. have to be fancy. Then that, yeah, I was going to say, um, yeah. your, I forgot what NEAT stands for again, but your um, movement during the day, mm-hmm. say you're sitting at a desk, um, people think that, well, I need to go to the gym, I need to do this biking for half an hour, just hardcore. Nope. And it's like, if you got up in the morning and, and you were biking to work, walking to work, during the day, you were walking around the office, if you're in an office or something like that, yep. lunch break, or, you know, obviously there's more, um, like, construction well, or something like that. take the stairs instead of the elevator or Exactly, yeah. yeah. There's just little things that people, I think people don't, the number one thing I, I see is they don't understand, like, calories in versus calories out. Yeah. Or, like, you know, activity levels, like, what you need. And it's not, like, rocket science, unless no. you have, like, something hormonally wrong with you, or... Yeah, or you're trying to peak performance. Yeah, yeah. that. But for people who want to... Um, you know, lose some weight, and just be healthy. Mm-hmm. I think they understand that you need to eat healthier, but like <clears throat> when they think of eating healthier or they're saying they need to be on a diet, I had somebody ask me pre- uh, like yesterday or the other day was, well, you mean diet as in like, I got to eat the strict meals. And I'm like, no, your diet actually refers to just what you eat during the day. Yeah, general your, consumption. Yeah, general yep. consumption. And um, it's okay. Like when I, it, it's different when I have clients of, you know, Bodybuilding or like competition, it is really strict. But yeah. if you're just a general want weight loss, I mean, tracking your calories, just getting in the habit of knowing meal portion size. Well, and even if you don't track calories, I, I hate tracking numbers calories wise. Yeah, yeah. I pay attention to quantities of food. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. If I have to break things down in calories and macros, I do it like once every like three or four months, mm-hmm. and then I adjust my macros to quantities of food. Mm-hmm. I weigh my. I mean, it. it it's above and beyond for a lot of people to weigh their food, but I still do it. I, I, I find comfort in it. I mean, yeah, it's, it's not realistic for a lot of people, yeah. but I have my digital scale, Walmart, 10 bucks on my counter every day. Yeah. I have all my meals weighed out. I think it's or the math set. engineering background. Yeah. Technical, yeah. I'm a little anal retentive yeah. about that, mm-hmm. but I don't worry about how many calories it is as much as I worry about the quantities. And like, okay, well, I feel like I've been sedentary at my weight and it's time to start losing. I need to take off... 15, 20 grams of each of these items yeah. and just reduce it. What it does is it reduces calorie intake, yeah. but 
I don't think of it that way. I think of it as reduction in quantities. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's just you don't have to think calories. You don't have to think quantities. Maybe one or the other. A general awareness mm -hmm. of what goes into your mouth, though, is very important because we've lost connection with that. Yeah. And because the quality of the food we get and how readily available it is, yeah. uh, the quality in general for how readily available it is pretty poor. Yeah. Uh, and how easy it is to get is even sad, too. So, if, I mean, if people had to work to go get their McDonald's, it would still be somewhat acceptable nutrient. Yeah. Uh, high in calorie content, energy levels, shitty nutritional value. But if they had to somehow physically go get it versus just pulling up to the window, grabbing it, it would be marginally better. Yeah. So and it's sad to say there's that, so yeah. many things like that. Yeah. Being yeah. aware of what goes into your mouth is step one in any major transformation for health. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Totally. I agree. Um, Even before I ask people to do things physically for my training, it's like, have you considered meeting with a nutritionist? And I always, I mean, all of our students that we come in, I refer them to a campus nutritionist. Great resource for us. Uh, Eye-opening for most of them because they're like, wow, there's that many calories and that little nutritional value to that food product. Mm -hmm. No wonder things are turning down for me. No wonder I'm having such a hard time. Yeah. And breaking those habits is a whole other story. Yeah. Go on forever. Yeah. Uh, but that is something that anybody could do to instantly improve their life is take a strong focus on their nutritional components. Yeah. And um, to add to that, I think that the attention span that comes back to that of with well in technology now has made it shorter but yeah um supplementation just wanting the easy way out you know it's a pill, pill. Yeah. yeah it's and the same general I, pill for everything kind of concept and it's just crazy how people will invest this that it's raising it is crazy to see the markup margins and stuff like that oh, yeah. um into something that'll last a month and maybe get them down a little bit but they're going to come right back up because they didn't gain any knowledge from it you yeah. know what i mean um and I see that a lot, and it bothers me. Well, but people are willing to throw money at anything to try and fix a problem instead of something simpler as just making a mental adjustment, yeah. taking conscious uh, focus on it, or just owning up to whatever habits they have developed. Yeah. The, the people don't like to change. It's easier to throw money at things. Yeah, exactly. And I just, I just think that people like diet. We're going back to that. It was just, it's something. You gotta starve yourself. You gotta do stuff that you you don't like to eat and all this bullshit. Well, it's like, yeah. honestly, with like cortisol levels and stuff like that, I do the best when I'm just relaxed and mm -hmm. I just like you said the the amount of the quantity, the portions of the food. I look at that. What I like to eat, I'm gonna eat it. Yeah. And if it has good protein, carb, fat, like just ratio, and it has some nutrients in it, great. Most people think that they're gonna have to starve, but I think they're just used to these high calorically dense foods yeah and most i've seen now is um when people change uh well with my guys is the first couple weeks first month they're like holy shit i can't eat this much yeah. because to eat the amount of calories and nutrient dense foods yep it's it's actually hard yeah you know, it's a higher to get your food, to yeah. right calories if you're training constantly stuff like that yeah. um it can and, be a challenge yeah. yeah so i think that if you just kind of that's the first thing I usually tell people and I, I think that you should do is just what do you eat just track you know during the day you don't have to like track your macros just track okay I'm eating a sandwich I'm eating this and that yep. and go from there and be like huh I'm gonna take this out and, or just be like how many calories do you think I'm really getting um, but anyways a lot of people don't understand how much they're actually eating which is sad mm -hmm. but it's also a cr I wouldn't say credit but a, an indicator of our cultural norms 
right now is a lack of unawareness, uh, or a lack of awareness, I should say, specifically to what we do to our bodies, how little we move, how much we eat. So people are just in a kind of a haze, and that's why we're in the situation we're in. I mean, as long as I stay in fitness, I have job security, because there will always be people that are obese, out of shape, want to change, but they need somebody to help them with the change, because they're not competent enough, knowledgeable enough, uh, confident enough to make those changes on their own. So we're, we're stuck there. I mean, it's great for business. It's yeah. pretty poor for cultural standards, mm-hmm. overall progression, and my general confidence in our advanced, like, advancement of our cultural like situation. Yeah. Like, I don't know where it's going to end up, but yeah, I, have, I have a lot of opinions on it's not going to be potentially positive if we keep continuing to neglect activity and consumption at a just a, a reasonable level. Yeah, it's just sad. It's just like the raise and the rise in the pharmaceutical companies making money. Oh, yeah, they make money. It's always it's always about money. Yeah. So yeah, I like money too, and yeah. I will do things for money because it makes my life easier and more enjoyable in ways. But I also need to accept that having things that aren't monetarily based or physical in in something I can grab and hold and use or show off to somebody. Those aren't as important necessarily as what I take from it, and it's all part of life and learning that. Back to that yeah. beginning of where we were yeah. in the beginning of the conversation, learning things for your own self. Yeah. 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 Perfect. yeah well, so to recap, um, kind of went through some induced asthma, and yeah. I guess some things that you guys can take away is um, get some source of external motivation first to get you going, to really get you into not just the weight room on bike rides or swimming or anything like that just get active is the number one thing find something that you like to do he ben maybe didn't necessarily like football maybe at first you're scared I, of it it was but, definitely scared of it first. yeah, yeah. Scared. but now then he started enjoying, enjoying yeah. the weight room and now he's this is his life you know what i mean so you just don't know if you're scared about it um i think that you need some external motivation and i found that's what i needed and when i got into it now this is my life <laughs> just yeah. like you um some other things recap is uh, just don't overthink things, I guess. Uh, just Simple is good. Simple is yeah, good. Don't make things overly complicated. It's not worth your worrying about struggle. Um, and if and when whatever your goals are are relevant to making things more complicated, then look into it and ask for some help. But don't start out with complicated. Yeah. It's more likely to fail. Yeah, yeah. Just get in there. Start doing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. anyways, I'm going to put Ben's um, well, link off of the University of Idaho website in the description box um also on the on the podcast on itunes stuff i'll put it in there uh other than that guys thanks for watching and it was a pleasure having you ben thank you thank you all right